Acts chapter 20. You know, there, there are needs everywhere. I, 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 when you start looking for opportunities to, to minister, you don't have to go very far. I, um, I, I don't believe I'm going to take either one, but uh, I was approached a while back if I could be the chaplain for the Brush Fire Department. And then I received a letter the end of last week wanting to know if I would be the chaplain for the Fort Morgan Police Department. And I'm already the chaplain of the Brush Police Department, and uh, I, I don't think I'm going to do it. Um, just, you know, there's just too many demands already. But, um, you know, there's just such a need in our community to, to minister to people. And, and you know what I think the biggest thing is? Is you just need to let people know that you care. And, and to, um, you know... We just need to truly care about the souls of men and, and to to want to tell them a, the, the gospel, to, to be an outlet where they can come and talk and, and you can give them some scriptural advice and, and encourage them in, in the way that they ought to go. People are searching and, and we have the answer and uh, we need to do what we can to, to be what, what God wants us to be and, and to get out his word. So you pray about those two. I had Doug Stratton also had a great idea and I don't, I don't know if we'll be able to get it done, but I'm going to visit with the, um, with, uh, the, the guy that's over the Fort Morgan jail system, Morgan County jail system. And we're going to see, I don't know if they'll let us or not. I'd love to live stream our service into the jail on uh, Sundays too. So uh, the, the nice thing about that is the guy that's over that has been doing concealed carry classes with Joel using our church. And so I've gotten to know him a little bit too. So maybe he would, uh, I don't know, have a little softer softer heart towards that and, and allow us to get in there that way. And I, I don't know if it'll happen, but pray about that because that's another way to just reach out and... and uh, um, uh, reach some other people and then to share a testimony some of these things are uplifting for me so i'm sure they are to you we've had a a couple been a family been coming now for a few weeks and and as a matter of fact their their son is here tonight in the youth program first night uh to be here for the teen program and uh he, he with tears in his eyes told me he said that this church has been exactly what we needed and, and uh he said, we go out of here on Sundays with our mouth open thinking, pastor has been sitting in our living room uh, and knows everything about us. And I'm like, nah, it's not me, it's the Holy Spirit sitting in your living room. But uh, uh, anyway, it's just good to know and see those things, how God God is does use his word and, and he uses people. And so you just, you continue to... Uh, uh, care about the souls of men and do what you can to reach out to them and, and see God do a wonderful work. So we're in Acts chapter 20. I want to get into this because I want to finish this up tonight, chapter 20. We're ready for verse 28 tonight, but what, what we've got, gotten to here, we're, at, we're towards the, the last leg of, of Paul's third missionary journey. And 
we can say that he has a fourth missionary journey. However, that, that fourth journey isn't one so much that, that Paul was planning because it, it's one where he is uh, taken to Rome and there is where he ultimately loses his life. And, and uh, so we know that. But this one, he has been all over and, and went up north of Antioch and then went back west and, and uh, into uh, the, the different churches and visiting all of them. And now he's on his way home and he wants to get back to, to Jerusalem for the day of Pentecost and, and be there. He also has the offering that they have been taking up for the saints that are, that are in Jerusalem who are dealing with severe persecution and um, truly probably many of them almost starving to death because they have uh, no way to take care of themselves because they've lost everything because of their faith. And, and so he's wanting to get back, but uh, in this last leg of the journey, he has uh, stopped at the little area of Miletus, and it's there that before he left, he, he wanted to see the, the leaders, he wanted to see the pastors that were there in Ephesus and, and to talk to them and, and uh, those pastors there that were in that area of Asia. And so he had called for them and, and brought them there. And, and he had, first of all, told them about, uh, and, and we looked at this last week, about uh, reminding them of, of who he was. Remember he said in verse 18, what manner I have been. And you could actually uh, translate that also, and it doesn't uh, cheat it at all, but uh, just the, it's more of a statement of, you know who I am. And they, they knew who he was. And, and he was uh, one that had served the Lord with humility of mind and, and many tears and, and, and temptations of those that were trying to kill him. And he hadn't kept anything back that was profitable unto them and, and had tried to, to uh, uh, teach them and, and preach to them the truth. And, and uh, he, he had taught them publicly. He had been bold in doing that. He had gone house to house and, and teaching them there and uh, testifying to them. And, and in all of that, he knew that, and they had, many had told him through this entire trip, Paul, if you go back to Jerusalem, you're going to lose your life. And, and Paul said, I, I, I'm pretty sure that, yeah, there's going to be some bad things uh, happen. And, and I've been told by the Holy Spirit through people through this entire trip, but, but I am bound by the Spirit to go there. And, and he said, and it's okay, because uh, as he said, I, I, uh, uh, none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I may finish my course with joy. And so death had, had no fear factor over Paul at, at all, and, and he just wanted to finish the course that God had called him to do and, and, and uh, finish it in a way that with joy and, and to uh, testify of, of God's goodness and, and obviously the grace of God upon his life and, and sharing that, go that gospel with whoever would listen. And, and then he even said, and, I, I, and I'm pure uh, in, in the area that, that I'm pure from the blood of all men. I have done everything I can to declare the gospel to whoever would listen. And and so he was telling them that, and, and not uh, he hadn't pulled back, withdrawn, or shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. And, and so that's the first part of, of the, this meeting that he has with them. And, and now what, what we're seeing is, is one of the most uh, personable 
letters that, that Paul has written. This, this passage here in Acts chapter 20 and the book of 2 Timothy are pretty much Paul's dying words. And he's giving them to these elders who we see are the pastors of Ephesus. He's giving them his last words, this group of preachers that he's encouraging them. And, and first of all, showing them that they need to have integrity as, as he has served God with integrity. But now he goes on and, and now we're going to see that, that he kind of turns it on them and some of the things that they ought to be doing along the way too. And he starts off in verse eight or verse 28 with a command. He says, take heed therefore unto yourselves. And, and you need to pay attention and you need to be concerned about yourselves. And, and look, look, he, he is not talking about self-love. He's not talking about all, all the, the uh, psychosis of the day that that's not at all what he's talking about here. He's talking about you need to be taking care of yourself spiritually. You need to be taking care of your own walk. You need to be paying attention to what it is that, that God is wanting you to do and how you ought to walk, how you ought to behave, and, and, and taking the Word of God and that which you understand and applying it to your life and being what you need to be. And every day you need to be doing that. Well, if it's good for those who are pastors, then I would say that it's good for all of us, isn't it? I mean, we need to be taking care of ourselves spiritually every day. And, and when we don't, then, then all we're doing is jeopardizing our own walk and our own testimony and, and how cautious we need to be. And, and, and really, you just have to get to a point where that time that you have with God, you just have to be selfish about it. And if it hurts somebody and hurts their feelings, then so be it. If it's that little precious time that they think that they have to have with you, then they need to understand that really they're second place. God is first, and we need to take heed unto ourselves. And, and, and here, how in the world are you ever going to be able to give out to, to those what, what, what God wants them to have from your testimony and from your learning and from what you know of uh, the knowledge of the Scripture if you're not taking care of yourself? And so you have to feed yourself before you can feed others. It's kind of like that on the airplane. We've, you know, and you get on those jets and they do all that fancy stuff. And if if they're losing pressure, you got to put your mask on. And and if you have somebody that's dependent upon you, then you need to make sure you get your mask on first, and then you put the mask on the other one because you pass out, you're not going to be able to help the other one, right? And then it's like the one steward has said: if you have two children, then pick your favorite. So, oh, it's bad, isn't it? So anyway, but here, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock. You know, the, I mentioned this on Sunday morning where that, that one gentleman left the church because he was offended because the pastor asked him if he had been reading his Bible every day. And he said, I just don't think that, that that's any of the pastor's business. Well, right here it tells us that it is the pastor's business. It is the pastor's business to take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock. And, and, and we, need to, we, we need to be challenged. I mean, you guys need to challenge me. You, do, you know, hey, what would you get out of your devotions today? Or, or, do, or, Pastor, are you reading every day? Are you studying every day? Are you in the Word every day? I, I mean, if you have a, 
If you have a pastor that's not studying and not reading and, and not in God's word every day, then I would definitely be cautious of sitting under someone like that. And how we need to guard that and, and, and here to, to take heed over all the flock. And why? Over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers. And so now he's already talked about them as elders. And elders is a, has the idea of a, of a place of respect. It doesn't mean that they're better than someone. It doesn't mean that, that, that they have a, a higher calling. Or it just means that, that they have a, a full-time calling of God upon their lives and dedicated their lives totally and wholly to the Word of God and to the gospel message and, and to the Word of God and, and to be that. And so it is a place of respect. And we're, we're in a world today where, where preachers don't have that kind of respect in this world at all. There, there is nothing sacred anymore. There, there is no respecting of that position uh, like it used to be. But, but here we see that that elder, the one that they're talking about then, he also is to be the overseer. He's to superintend and take care of the business of the flock that he has been made that overseer of. And he needs to be involved in that. And he needs to, to know what's going on. And, and then it goes in and he, then he gives us the third aspect. And he says, not only has he made you overseers to superintend that, but he's also given you the command to feed the flock. And so here, to feed the church of God. And, and I, I love this because this is where we get our word pastor. Pastor means to feed. And so I don't mind being called pastor. As a matter of fact, I don't mean I don't I don't mind being called minister because minister means servant. But don't call me reverend. I I just do not care to be called reverend. And you know I have people. Well, should I call you reverend? Uh, no. And so uh, call me call me pastor. I love that. I mean that that is that that means I'm I'm that there isn't anything reverential about me. I'm just like you guys, and my I have feet of clay, and and you know I can I can think about running somebody over with a Kenworth just as easy as anybody else, and so we and so never think that, but but here to to pastor and and to to minister to serve to feed, I, I remember there was one little guy that couldn't say pastor, so he called me pasture, and you know it's the same thing. I don't have a problem with that. Call me, you know, take me out to pasture, all right? So, and why? Because you're going out to, you need to be fed. And, and we need to be fed what the Word of God has to say. And so, to feed the church of God, the assembly of God. Look, we're, we're not here to, to feed the goats of the world. We are here to feed the, the flock of sheep of God's family. And so, we need to teach them the Word of God. And we need to show them what, what God's Word has to say. We need to show them how, what, what kind of relationship we ought to be having with our Savior and, and how thankful we ought to be about Him. And, and, and we need to, we, we as sheep of God, need to, to have a desire to want to know more and more and more about who God is. And this is how you get that. You, you learn about who God is through 
the Word of God. And then and you take that Word of God and, and you start seeing that, hey, it, it, the Word tells me that He is faithful. And so then you start looking at your life and you start trusting Him and, and you start living according to the promises that He tells us and, and gives us in our lives. And, and, and you look at that and, and the more you trust Him, the more faithful you see Him to be. And, and, and you start learning more about who He is and, and, and understanding how much it is that He loves us because as we feed the, the flock of God and, and the church of God, we understand how important it is because it's that church of God which He hath purchased with His own blood. And so it's that church that He has purchased with His own blood. And, and you know, these people that, that want to talk about the universal church of God and, and, and I'm... I'm and I shouldn't group everybody in this, okay? But so many of them that just want to talk about the big church of God, they like that because there is no accountability in that. There, there, is, no, there, there is no personal commitment to, to a, a body of believers. But here we see that, that that family of God is represented by local churches all over the world today and, and how we need to be a part of one of those. And... and it needs to be, I, this is not my nose, but it really needs to be in a geographic location where you can really be involved with that family. Don't tell me that you're a part of this church somewhere and, and, and you live three states over. Or don't even tell me that, that, that you want to be a part of a local church and, and you're an hour and a half drive away where you're never involved in it. That's not biblical. That's just not right. And so we need to be involved with a group of believers and you need to be involved with them and understanding the family structure that God truly wants us to have as a body of believers and, and understanding that, yes, He has purchased us with His own blood and then He expects us to get involved and plugged in into a body of believers that, that can help us to grow and hold us accountable and, and kick us in the seat of the pants whenever we need it and, and encourage us when we need it and pray with us when we need it and, and help each other when we need that and, and all of the things that a family does. And here's why. Because he says, For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Oh, there's going to be some that's going to infiltrate into your, your group of people and, and, and they're going to do everything they can to blow it up. They're going to do everything they can to, to destroy what good it is. And I was talking to a, a pastor today who's been in the ministry probably twice as long as me, and, and stopped by and visited for about an hour today. What a blessing that was. And, and this guy has, has pastored some small churches in small towns. I mean, he was a pastor in Sydney, Nebraska for years. He, he was a pastor in a small town in Wyoming for years before that. He's been in Kirk now for 15 years. And anybody here been to Kirk before? It's one of those poke and plum towns. You poke your head in, you're plum on the other side, right? And, uh, but, but just such a blessing. But, you know, he, he was, uh, I was asking about one of the churches that, that he had been in, and, and a guy had gone in and shut it down. And you found out that this guy had been involved in like 
four or five different churches where he goes in, shuts it down, sells the property, puts money in his pocket, and goes on the other way. That's a grievous wolf. That's a wolf. And they're everywhere. And, and some people might think that the pastor is, is paranoid. And, and look, there are, there are things that sometimes there are some ideas that, that might be good ideas that, that you think ought to be implemented in a church. But as a pastor, and, and whether you've experienced yourself or, or that pastor has talked to other pastors who's been in the ministry for years and they say, look, if this, you do this, then this is something that could happen and this is something that, that might take place. And so your, your pastor says, ah, you know, it's a good idea, but you just don't really feel real comfortable and, and God's not leading to go that way. It, it, it Don't take that thing personally, but through experiences and because you don't have to don't need to share everything that that you've dealt with or experienced or someone has you just say you you just understand that 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 pastor if he truly loves the congregation is doing everything he can to guard against a grievous wolf and we we know what wolves do i mean you just get on youtube if you ever want to see what they do to a moose or an elk or and rip it to shreds and and that is exactly what he's talking about here but look at this. Look also what he says in verse 30. Also of your own selves shall men arise. Hmm. It's, it's not the one that you see come blowing in here and, and you can spot him right off that he's a wolf. This is one that he says, of your own selves shall men arise. And, and, and think about this. I think that some of these he's talking to are right at this point in time, a shepherd. And they are feeding the flock of God. However, Paul has said, take heed therefore unto yourselves. And he stops taking heed therefore unto himself. And he ends up becoming a wolf. His whole attitude changes. And he becomes something that he shouldn't be. And they speak perverse things, the, the depraved things and crooked and, and misleading. And, and I say that because, look, there are guys that I went to Bible college with and you thought, man, they are, they are as stable as they can be. And now you look at some of them and you see what they're teaching and they're preaching and you think, man, what in the world are you doing? And who are you? And, and you know, there, there was one that, that, I mean, he's a rage on, or he was anyway, on, on Facebook, and, and I mentioned it to Chad one time, and, and there were people even in our church that have found this guy out, and they were sharing things that he said, and, and I mean, he has a, a million people have watched him on this one or, or this one, and you know what they don't understand is that doctrine has changed, and not only his doctrine, but his whole entire lifestyle has changed, and, it, and he left his wife, and he left his kids, and he ran off with the piano player, and he still is the pastor of that church, and, and he's some big YouTube guru, and, and thinks that he ought to be faithful, and, and, and people ought to follow him, and, and I'm sorry, but, it, but he speaks perverse things with his lifestyle. And here we see that they, they speak perverse things. Uh, and why? To draw away disciples after them. A good pastor will never want people to be his disciple. 
They're, they're, they are the flock of God that we are to be overseers of. We're in a position of respect, and we are to feed the flock of God. But never are we to expect them to be our disciples. They're Christ's disciples, just like I ought to be a, a disciple of Christ. Now, follow me as long as I'm following God. However, we see here that they're trying to draw them away and make them their own disciples. That becomes a cult. And that's what he's telling them. Therefore, because of this, watch, be on alert, pay attention, and remember, keep in mind that by the space of three years, I, I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears and and why is that? Because there were those that just wouldn't believe him. There are those that wanted to believe the wolves that, that he was in it for the money or, or, or you know, that he was in it for the power and they, they were constantly slandering him along the way. And, and I'm sure he had the tears because he watched some of those people that he had led to the Lord and, and had divested so much time in them and they turned their backs on him and walk away. And, and so here he says, in all of this, and now brethren... I commend you. I commend you to God. I entrust with safekeeping. I, 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 I feel responsible for you. I, I've watched you grow in the Lord. And, and these past three years, as I have warned you and preached to you and taught you and, and given you everything that I possibly can to help you along the way, well, I commend you to God. I, I entrust you. And not only do I entrust you to God, but I entrust you also to the word of his grace. And so here with safekeeping, knowing God will keep you in safekeeping, but also knowing that it's through the word of his grace that you need to preach that and teach that. And, and I'm entrusting that you are going to continue to do that. And it's the word of his grace which is able to build you up. I watched today too. I, I couldn't help. I, I, you know, I'm mesmerized by. I still remember that day of watching those towers, and and I, I was supposed to be at the church office instead. I didn't leave. I, I sat at home that whole day, and just sit there and and watch the news, and and I can't. I I you just can't get out of your mind when you watch those towers crumble, and you watch them come down, and and the devastation of that, and. And then I saw a photograph today that I hadn't seen before where, where it shows one of the bridges and, and it shows the fire of the towers in the background and it shows a fire truck that, that's on that bridge and you find out that that fire truck, every man on that fire truck died that day. And there they were driving into their death, not knowing that it was their last day and, and watching the crumble of of all of that come down upon them. That's what happens in your life when you do not take heed thereto unto, uh, unto yourselves. Oh, how we need to guard ourselves. How we need to watch ourselves. How, how so easily it takes a lifetime to build a testimony and but just a moment to destroy it. And how we need to watch and, and guard and make sure that we don't crumble like that did. And, and here it's the word of grace which is able to build you up. And not only that, and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. And you know, the, the sanctification 
That is a perfect passive. You're not sanctified by you. You're set apart, you're consecrated, and you're sanctified by God. You are continuously, progressively being sanctified. You are growing closer to God. And as you grow closer to God, you're, 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 you're what could be more consecrated, more useful for God because less and less of the worldliness is in your life and less and less of the care of the world is upon your heart and, and more and more of the desire to serve God is upon your life. And, and, and that is something that, that's a passive voice that God is doing in your life, but it's also a perfect tense which means that it's as good as done. And what he's done in your life is not ever going to go back where it used to be. It's, it's, a, it, it's a point where, where from this time on, it's going to continue to get better, just like your salvation. When you are saved, most of those instances in the passages that you see about your salvation, it's a perfect tense. At some point in time, this happened, and from this point in time, it never changes until eternity. Isn't that good? I mean, isn't it nice to know that even as God used just the tense of a verb to give us the, the security of our salvation? And so here, we, we have that. And, and you know what that inheritance is? I, I don't believe it's just the eternal inheritance of heaven. I believe it's inheritance that starts today. I believe it's a joy that only God gives. I believe it's a peace that God gives. It's a security that God gives. It's a confidence that God gives. It's a faithfulness that you can have knowing that God will answer and deal with the promises that He and will not go back upon His promises and whatever they may be. And so here we see that I believe that that inheritance has already started in our lives as believers today. And we are enjoying that today. We're enjoying our salvation. We're, we're enjoying the fact that, yes, even as evil as the world is, and, and yes, we need to reach out to those that, that are struggling and, and show them the, the goodness of God. And, and even in the evil that don't want to listen to us, that, hey, that we can still praise Him and, and worship Him and thank Him for His goodness in our lives and live that way. He said, and because of that, I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. I don't care anything about the world's goods anymore. I don't want any of that. doesn't matter. Even my life doesn't matter anything more to me. All I want to do is finish the course that God has put me in and finish it with joy. Yea, ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. You saw that. And I worked hard and I made tents and, and, and I made a living and, and I did so so that I could give you an example of what you need to do with it. I have showed you all things how that so laboring you ought to support the weak. Those that had physical problems, those that had spiritual weakness, whatever it was, I used what I had to help those around me. And to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. You know, you need to go back and study that, but I believe this is the only place where it says that, that Jesus said, 
that it is more blessed to give than to receive? Obviously, Paul heard it. Obviously, the other disciples had heard Jesus say that over and over and over. Here, it's the only place recorded as far as I know. And so he says, it is more blessed to give than receive. How, how blessed is it whenever you, you continue to give the gospel out and finally you see that one, their heart gets tender, and you watch them give their lives to Christ? What a joy. What a joy. And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all, and they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he had spake, that they should see his face no more, and they accompanied him under the ship. That's the love that we ought to have for one another. That, that's, the, that's the love that we ought to have for those that are, are giving their lives to the gospel. That, that's the love that, that we ought to have for that hurting member. That, that's the love that we ought to have for that little bus kid that that comes and, and, and here we are ministering to them and, and, and we ought to love them and, and show them the love of Christ. That, that's the one, that, that family that comes in and, and, and you can just tell that that Sunday morning the devil has really been doing a work on their lives and, and we can love them and, and help each other. But, but truly, they loved Paul. They did. And they were sad to see that he was leaving. Not only was he leaving... They thought because of what he had said, they pretty much knew it was probably the last time on earth that they were going to see him. And so as we see Paul's parting words, we see the most important things that he wanted us to know. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves. Keep watch. Pay attention to what's going on. And it's better to give than receive. Let us be what God wants us to be, and we can enjoy the inheritance that God's given us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. Lord, no, we went a little bit long tonight, but I pray that you will bless this word tonight and encourage them, each one of us, and thank you. Thank you for the example of Paul. Thank you for his love that he had for people, and help us to have that love. Help us to live in a way that is honoring and pleasing to you. In Jesus' name. Amen.